Welcome to today's Minnesotan Hockey Podcast. If you haven't already done so, do yourself a favor and check out the Minnesotan. You can visit their flagship store in historic downtown White Bear Lake or on the web at theminnesotan.com. On today's show, we sit down with Calvin Simon, the Shakopee High School coach. Calvin is a program builder in his third, going on his third year at Shakopee. Uh, he's also coached in the youth system at Lakeville South and at the high school at Lakeville South as well. I got to know Calvin as the coach of our Great Plains program with the 2003 group that had a very successful run a few falls ago. Looking forward to a great show with Calvin. Hope you enjoy it. is a burning thing and it makes a fiery ring bound by wild desire I fell into a ring of fire well good afternoon Calvin how are you doing today oh sorry about that how are you doing today Calvin I'm doing great had you on Thanks mute there. Me. I was trying to be all professional, and I just totally chunked it. Sorry about that. Oh, sure. Don't worry. Uh, so it's probably been a, a weird couple months for you. You and I are both go-getters, and we can't go get anything right now, can we? No, it's been it's been a lot different. Uh, not what we expected, uh, but I, I'm sure you're like me. We're, we're finding a way to make the most of it. Yeah, you. Uh, lucky for you, you had a, a baby boy. You and your wife, Whitney, had a baby boy uh, a few months back, so I'm sure you got to spend a lot more time than you ever imagined with that little guy. Absolutely, yeah. We, uh, My wife and I, Whitney, we, we had our, our first child, uh, our son, Cyrus, born in February. And so, you know, as we go February into March, the end of the high school season, and into the start of, you know, the AAA, I was anticipating being at the rink every night, you know, 5 to 10 p.m., and I've been home. So that's been one of the one of the good things, you know, with this quarantine situation. I've been able to spend a lot more family time, and I've been able to be here and at home for a lot more of those moments and take a lot of the pressure off my wife. And, uh, so it's interesting. Uh, you, you're a fairly – how tall are you, 6'2", 6'3"? Yeah, I wouldn't say six four, and I wouldn't say six feet either. So I knew it was somewhere in there. Um, and you and your wife had a baby. Give me the dimensions one more time. It's almost unbelievable what you told me. Yeah, and <laughs> he's a he's a big boy. You would not have known it with the way my wife was carrying. And I was anticipating, you know, eight maybe pushing nine pounds, but he came out at ten pounds twelve ounces. <laughs> 23 inches long, an absolute tank. Wow, wow. Um, and your wife, she's quite the athlete. She was a two-time national champion, Whitney, at uh, Concordia of St. Paul. Uh, walk through her family. She's got a pretty good, uh, fairly athletic family. Yeah, she not only an athlete, but a, a great person uh, from a great family. So she uh, grew up in Washburn, Wisconsin, so northern Wisconsin, up by Bayfield and Ashland, right on Lake Superior. Um, her, her mom and dad were the coaches for the high school team for 20-plus years. Uh, her two sisters, uh, Aubrey, the oldest, played at Wisconsin. Uh, the sister uh, played at the University of Minnesota in Duluth. Whitney, after graduating high school, went to uh, Duluth to join her sister. So they played two years together, uh, D2 college volleyball. Um, and then, it, without going into all the details, she eventually kind of fell out of love with the game and, and made a transfer down to Concordia University, which is where I was at the time playing football and, and attending school. Um, and she came down there and, and did what she does, which is play at a high level and help the Concordia girls win their first ever national championship, which uh, was, you know, they had to go through Duluth in the region championship. Her old uh, school. That, which was her old school, yeah, it was uh, it was fun. It was very fun to watch her compete uh, amid all the booze, amid all the traitor chants, um, and all the negativity. But she's she's a competitor, so she fed off that stuff. The more they chanted against her, uh, the better she played. 
I don't see a lot of volleyball or uh, women's volleyball, but uh, our neighbors uh, are, are big into it. Um, and I got a chance to see your wife coach this year in the epic Jefferson St. Louis Park section final where St. Louis Park, your wife's team, beat the Jags in kind of a five-setter that you'll always remember. And I remember you remember being there. What do you remember about that and watching her take St. Louis Park to the state tournament, which is pretty special? Yeah, I, well, I think that was my first taste of being a parent in the stands, if you will. Right, um, right. You know, it's, <laughs> you know, there's just no control. You, there's not much you can do. I remember my stomach was in knots. Uh, I know how much you know hard work that the girls and that we need and the coaching staff have put into the season in the past couple of seasons at Penelope Park. And so um, as that match drew on, you know, you just kept feeling like, this is going to take a miracle and eventually, you know, I think that miracle came and they, they eventually won that, that match, but it was, it was very fun to watch. I'll just never forget the look on her face when the final point was scored and, you know, they, they knew that they were headed to the state tournament. That was pretty cool. Uh, the whole thing. I was at the semifinals where they had Jefferson to beat Hopkins and was on hanging on every text from my wife saying, Oh, you cannot believe what's happening. You know, and it was just every match every point I was getting a text and felt like I was kind of there and, and now a small world that your wife was the the coach of the Orioles that's pretty cool for sure uh okay so let's go back your family's fairly athletic as well your brother Justin was quite the the baseball player and a great athlete so you grew up around sports your whole life was it was it just the latest fair whatever you could get your hands on a stick a ball uh to play when you were growing up Absolutely. I played every sport I possibly could. I, you know, obviously played hockey, football, baseball, uh, any chance we got in the neighborhood, we we make up our own games. And I was constantly trying to play and compete. Um, and I even, you know, one of the probably few hockey players who loved and still do the game of basketball. You know, I remember I'd go from shooting pucks in my, in my garage to shooting baskets in the driveway. Uh, I'd get done with a practice, uh, you know, in youth at the community center in Shakopee and then I'd uh, get done and walk right over to the other side of the community center and go play a pickup game uh, with the basketball guys. I just craved competition and playing the games and, and doing anything I could to be athletic. I remember when I was a kid, you know, let's just say 12, 13 years old, we'd have a full hockey season from like November 1st to, to March 1st. And then this NCAA basketball tournament thing would happen and you would just get like it was like a drug. You, you'd want to go play just like the guys in, in North Carolina or Duke or, you know, back then for me it was like Houston with Hakeem Olajuwon and those guys. Did you get the same? Did you feed off a little bit of that NCAA and NBA basketball stuff? Absolutely. And, and like I said, I was you know, buddies with the, the basketball kids in the Sharpie community. So, you know, naturally they're into it and, you know, the rest of the country is pretty much into it too. So I would, I would definitely feel off that. I remember, you know, watching games and then going out to the driveway and pretending to do that stuff, even though I never, you know, played an organized game of basketball with referees and, you know, in a, in a setting like that. But I, I definitely would, uh, would feel off of that stuff for sure. I played a lot of pickup basketball, you know, like you said, at the, at the, at the gym or at the, the nearby court of her, and I got to college and had to play, you know, organized basketball and intramurals and I can't I got to five fouls faster than anybody I think you know the first half I'd have four <laughs> fouls like wait you can't do that like no 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 you can't do that sir you know but it was it's, you, you say organized right it's it's way more organized when they play with rules right absolutely yeah it's a different game and I, I dabble with that too a little bit in college on little intramurals and, and have some fun with it but you know I, I just for me personally in that type of game I just prefer a little bit unstructured and so I feel like I drive more, but always for fun. So when you were playing youth hockey growing up, um, what was Shakopee like? Did you have a fighting chance? Did you guys play in – what district did you play in? Were you guys any good? Did you have some success? Yeah, we were We were District 8. Um, we had moderate levels of success. Uh, you know, when I first got started in Mites, we were combined with Prior Lake, so it was the Shakopee Prior Lake uh, Hockey Association. and or SPL. Yeah, you told me that. I never knew that. SPL. That sounds kind of cool. All right. 
Yeah, well, in the the jerseys, gosh, a couple of my buddies still have their old jerseys. I wish I did. It was, you know, a picture of a knight and, and cross sticks on there and Shakti Fire Lake, but it was black, white, and gray. It was like the LA Kings colors. Yep. Um, you know, and so in those years, we we had a lot of talent. Uh, but I, I remember that, you know, the score team, the Pee Wee team, the Phantom team, just about every year would be, you know, there's 15 kids on the roster. It was probably 10 to 12 of them were part lake. And then, you know, anywhere from three to four would be Shakopee. So eventually, you know, the head coach at the time, uh, Ed Loisel, realized, hey, if we're going to compete at the high school level anytime soon, we've got to get our own program. We've got to get more kids playing at a high level. And we've got to get you know, a team of 15 Shakopee kids competing here. So. When we transitioned from first year PE to second year PE for me, um, is when Shockey officially had its own youth association. And you know, there were struggling points. There was a lot of growth and a lot of things that we all needed to learn and skills. Um, but slowly but surely, by the time I was a, a Bantam, especially second year Bantam, uh, there was a couple of us that had stuck around and we had a really fun year. We scored a lot of goals, we won a lot of games, and really built that identity that, you know, there's something here. If we all keep working at this, we can achieve something in the high school ranks. So you were, your junior year, 2005, you guys had, actually, I should back us up a step. Your sophomore year, you guys had a tough loss in the section finals or semifinals, which kind of propelled you ah. for the next year, right? Yeah, it was the the finals against Orno, and Orno at the time was still a powerhouse to play, and so... I remember watching them when the youth uh, compete against Shakti and other teams in the section tournament and just beating up on everybody pretty consistently. So my sophomore year when we got there, um, they did exactly that. They beat us up good. But that experience uh, was so valuable for our group because, number one, we got an opportunity to taste it, that opportunity to kind of you know feel them out and understand you know, what their game is all about. And then we played them early in the season that, that next year, our junior year, uh, so, again, got to feel them out right away, kind of knock the rust off and, and be less intimidated by them, um, and then eventually saw them our junior in the section semifinals. Yeah. Um, the year that we ended up going. Your section route was pretty amazing. I don't think I've ever seen this before. You won three games all by the score of 2-1. What that tells me as a layman is you guys were really good defensively and probably had a pretty good goalie. Outstanding goaltender. Uh, he stopped 90 of 93 shots in that session tournament. Uh, Ole Hovde, uh, mm-hmm. his couple of brothers that had played before him too, Kirk and, and Carl, and uh, yeah, Ole was Ole was a stud. And so we we definitely did that. We played a defensive game. We knew based on the teams we were going to play against and what the tournament had looked like in the past. If we were going to come out of this thing alive, we were going to have to be really sound defensively. We we're going to have to buy into blocking shots. And we we're going to have to be comfortable playing in the D zone because we weren't going to get a lot of goals on time. And when we got opportunities, we needed to make the most of it. I remember always saying to us, you guys get me two, we'll win the game. And we stuck to it. Where was the section final in 2005 when you beat Mount West Tonka? Where, did, where was that game played? Richfield Ice Arena. Okay. Oh my gosh, how cool was that? You win, and I'm sure the whole school was there, right? It's the first time your team had ever made it to state. Whole school's there, places packed, you know, and Richfield's that cool, you know, stadium feel seating. So there's not a seat in the house, it's standing room only. And, you know, you've got a team on the verge of going to the state tournament for the first time ever. So, of course, our school turned out, you know, in big numbers. And, I remember the cool thing about that, that, that game, one thing I'll never forget. Um, I, 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 I fortunate enough to score the first goal of the game. We were up one zero then they quickly tied it up and our captain, Nick Pexa had had a tough year. He was a leader for us. He, he battled through a whole bunch of stuff in terms of not performing at the level that he knew he was capable of. Um, I yeah. scored a bunch of goals his junior year and just wasn't scoring. It was completely snake bitten. Uh, but he stuck with it. And this is a message to the kids, you know, when, when things aren't going your way, but you know you've been putting in the work and you just continue to do the right thing. Um, the opportunity came for him. He buried the biggest goal in Shakopee history. And what he would say was, you know, his worst high school season from a statistics standpoint. But, yeah, I'll never forget when he scored. He, you know, didn't do a big fancy celebration. He sprinted straight to the bench, and we just had a party right there. And the belief grew a 1,000%, and we just knew, We've gotten two, 
always said he's not going to let in more than one. All we got to do is just keep the puck to the outside and, and, and let the time kick off the clock. Oh, that's a, a great moment. What do you remember about being in the state tournament? Uh, I, <laughs> it's a great question. State tournament's a fun time. Everybody knows that in the state of Minnesota. Whether you played in there, you, you just watched casually or, or you know, go to the expo, the whole experience. But playing in it um, is a whole other level. And I, I remember being so overwhelmed by everything else going on before you even get to the game. And finally getting to the game, like, thank goodness all that other stuff is done at the banquet and you know all the things that go into it, the send-off at the school. was all great, and it's memories that I, I, I cherish. But I remember at the time being like, I just want to play. Can we just get to the rink? And then when that moment came, obviously, it was, it was a ton of fun. We didn't get the result we wanted, but it was uh, and an experience. you guys played Totino, right, in the first round? Yes. That was great. a good team. Very good team. Yeah. Um, okay, so before we get started on on how you got, you know, your college career as a football player um, and back into co- uh, coaching hockey, I want to do a quick little couple icebreaker questions, which you got beforehand, so you can't you can't stumble now. Are you ready to roll? I think so. Let's do it. All right. Uh, what famous person uh, would play you in a movie, or who do you think people say you look like? Uh, for this one, I'd, I'd probably pick Will Smith. It's a bit older now, so in terms of playing me, uh, it might not make the most sense. But personality-wise, I just I, I think we have a lot in common. I really really look up to the person. Yes, I'd say Will Smith. All right, Will Smith. Uh, what fashion trend when you were young did you rock that you look back at a little bit embarrassed now? <laughs> well, uh, you know, two things. One, a lot of baggy clothes. A lot of things that were way too safe. It was. Completely the style, maybe hanging off my hip a little bit too low. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the, the the one, you know, and this was these were fun team ones, so I do appreciate the memories of them. But on two occasions, I cut my hair a little bit silly with the with the hockey boys. Uh, one yeah. we we bleached them, and for me, I've got you know completely black hair, so right. it turned out like a yellow orange, and it was very unattractive. But I was a team player, and uh, um, you know happy to comply and then the other time when we did funny haircuts everybody else did mullets and mohawks um, and i kind of cut a checkerboard pattern in my hair uh, which got a lot of looks at school and uh, it was fun to reveal at the national anthem yeah uh, we would uh, we'd show off our haircuts well that would have been even better had you went checkerboard with the blonde that would have been really something that would have really drawn <laughs> in right <laughs> i could have used that advice a few years back that would have been great all right, last one. Uh, if you're a baseball player, uh, what would your walk-up song be? That's a tough one. That's a good one, though. Um, I'd probably choose, it's between Sickle Mode by Travis Scott. I, I really love the composition of that, how it flows from kind of one, one field to another. It's probably right. too long for a walk-up song. Yep. Um, so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Drake guy. I really like Drake's music. I'd probably choose nonstop. It gets me in the right mode. Non stop uh, by Drake. I like that one. All right. Uh, okay. So we, we've broken the ice. Um, it's 2006. Um, and you played hockey. You played three sports. You ran track in high school. Um, you played hockey. You played football. Uh, you choose football. Let's walk a little bit through how you got to the football field in college versus maybe going through the juniors route in hockey. Great question. Yeah, and that's um, it's, a, it's a mystery to a lot of people who don't you know know me very close because in high school, you know, our football team was pretty bad. Our hockey team had had some success in going to the tournament our junior year, so everyone expected if I'm going to do any sports after high school, it's going to be hockey. Um, but I threw the curveball and I, I chose football. I had an opportunity to accept a scholarship from Concordia University in St. Paul to play some D2 football, um, and I you know was a bit ignorant to the junior process at that time. I think it was junior A and B. So I knew it was, you know, Bill's family, you know, one to two years, potentially look to earn a college scholarship. Um, you know, the school situation was missing. I didn't understand how that was going to work or if I was going to be taking classes or not taking classes. So I just remember, you know, those concerns, like, I don't know, I've got this opportunity where I can go right to school. Right now, right? Room right now and I know yeah. what that looks like and I've I've seen the team, I've watched the film from the previous year. They had a great season. They won the conference. Like it's a lot of really good things here. 
Um, but I think one of the big, big reasons that drove me to choose football and allow myself to walk away from hockey at the time was I just really craved some more diversity in the locker room and the whole experience. Um, you know, as you can imagine, uh, not a lot of people looked like me going through my hockey career, whether I was a youth or a high school kid, and, and they never played with another player that looked like me on my team. So, so I, I need to team. clarify for our audience, you are biracial or African-American, and this isn't something you see a lot of at a hockey rink. And we've talked about it. I talked about it this week with, with Rod Braceful, who's a scout for the uh, National Development Program. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, it's the game's evolved so much, and I'm so excited about the direction it's heading and some of the things the NHL is doing about, you know, hockey is for everyone and all these all these cool things. Um, but at the time, it's just, it was a little bit different. And I, I don't have any, you know, ill will towards my experience or any of that. Uh, I actually gained a lot of valuable life lessons uh, from playing the sport and being one of the unique, you know, looking people, uh, you know, on the ice. But I just, you know, it had taken a toll on me. I, you know, there was a lot of derogatory things and racial slurs that were said to me in competition. And for a long time as a kid, it, you know, it, it held me back. It really, you know, it, it beat me up. And my mom could attest to that. My coaches could attest to that. Um, but I, I'll never forget the moment when it went from being the thing that held me back to the thing that empowered me beyond belief. And it would make me likely the best player on the ice when someone would say something to me. Um, you know, I'll share the story with you if you don't mind. Yeah, I, I love the story. You told me this before. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm in high school uh, and playing hockey. Coach Ed Loisel, great guy, great So, hang on. At this, point, at this point, you had received racial slurs while playing. So, wasn't this the this was not the first racial slur in 10th, 11th grade, right? No, but more than I could, could count. I mean, on average, Tony, this isn't no exaggeration at the game. I mean, really. Um, and they weren't just—they weren't just the racial slurs. You told me one was something about going to play basketball, right? It wasn't just they—they yeah. they got somewhat. I hate these word creative, but they did get creative in some ways, correct? Absolutely. You know, was, I, I'll never forget. It was you know you should be playing basketball, or what are you doing on the ice, or you, you don't belong out here. Uh, you know, those types of things. Which as a kid, it's tough. It's really tough. You're trying to figure out who you are and where you where you belong. Uh, a little bit more insight into my life before I you know, share the story. Um, you know, I grew up with a family that I love so much, uh, but everyone's white. My mom's white. Uh, my stepdad is white. My sisters and brothers that I grew up with are white. Uh, I do have a sister that you know shares the same complexion as me. She's from we have the same dad, and our dad's from Liberia, from Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, so we look alike, but we didn't grow up together. So everywhere I went, everyone looked different. Right, and you know, in a lot of ways, looking back on Tony, it was, it, it was, I'm grateful because I, I learned a lot about people. I learned a lot about not judging people by the way they look, these, you know, different values. Uh, but now here I am with all those experiences and all these things that I've been through through the youth in high school. And, you know, someone makes a comment and what the comment was, I don't remember exactly. It's irrelevant, but it was a racial slur of sorts. And I remember being upset about it. And I come back to the bench. And this is when our coach at Loisel was, he was upset because he knew what had happened. He could just tell by the way I looked and he, he confirmed with me and I told him, yeah, this is what he said. And he got very upset. I mean, like to the point that I felt like he wanted to get on the ice and you know, drop the gloves. Uh, but obviously that wasn't the right, the right plan. So he, and I think that's a pretty common <laughs> thing when, when guys get to know someone of color on their team or maybe different religion or something. And it happens, it fires up a team, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we, we become a family yeah. in a team setting, and that's that's. I mean, that's a real thing, and you really bond with each other. You're a lot of times spending more time with them than you get to collectively spend with your family, you know, during a season. So, you know, everybody sets the bond, and of course, the guys would go to bat for me, and you know, they would they would be on my side, and I always knew that, and that's what kept me playing. Is I got I got this band of guys that they got my back, um, but the same year now the coach is upset. And he kind of gave me free will of, free will of, you know, whatever you got to do. And I was like, well, I don't want to do that. I don't want to fight. I don't want to do these things. I get excited about scoring goals. Like that's, right. that's why I love playing the game. Was putting the puck in the net and celebrating and football. I score a touchdown and they tell me contain all the emotions going on in my body. 
don't do any showboating, don't do any excitement, just hand the football over and go sit down like you're supposed to. And I think there's a lot of value in that. Yeah. But I loved that in hockey, I could score a goal and I could put my arms up and I could celebrate with all the passion that I had pumping in my veins. Um, that's what got me excited to play. And now here I am on the bench, upset, coach giving me free will to go. And I'm just like, coach, I don't want to do that. And then he looked at me, and this is the moment I'll never forget. He looked at me and said, Calvin, you know why they're doing this, right? And I truly didn't. I didn't understand. I didn't get it. It's like, no, no, I don't. Like, why? Other than like, I just to be mean, racist. right? Yeah, exactly. To be mean or, or whatever. Or get in your head know. or get in your head, right? It, absolutely. And that's, I think, ultimately what it was. And he said to me, he said, Calvin, they're just afraid. They've never seen anything like you. And you're really challenging their their belief system, and you're really challenging their like understanding of hockey. Right. And they get afraid when they see you do the things you can do out here. And I remember the smile on my face was ear to ear, and it was it never affected me ever again like that. I remember being you know those things would occur in, in games in the future, and I would just smile. Someone would say, you know, shouldn't you be on the basketball court? And I just look over at them with a smile and say, you know, I, I can go play basketball too, buddy, but I'm not going to hurt you. There's nothing to be afraid of. We're just going to play some hockey. And it didn't <laughs> what a comeback, me. right? I turned my game up. Yeah. Yeah. It was an empowering moment. And it's, you know, that's one of the things that turned me on to coaching too, is, you know, a coach can have such an effect on your life like that. Um, it's, it's really great to be in a position now to give back to other kids and, and help them manage through those types of situations that they occur. Let me ask you this. Rod Braceville, uh, being an Afro-American guy, told me in his podcast with me this week, he said, you know, I, I there was always it seemed like there was always a handful of African American people in Detroit where he grew up that we had played before him that stepped to pull him aside at a, when they would see him playing pulled him aside at a rink and gave him a pat on the back saying I know you're probably going through some tough stuff and 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 he'd reach out to him he goes and now to this day I whenever I see a kid who's of color I make sure I pull him aside and and give some him some words of encouragement had did that ever happen to when you were a kid uh run into some people of color that maybe pulled you aside and gave you some encouragement when you were playing you know if it did I for whatever reason, I don't recall. Yeah. Um, you know, and again, I don't, my recollection is I just don't remember seeing a lot of people that look like me at any, I mean, I just don't remember it. I'm sure it happened. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't recall those particular moments, uh, but I, I do make sure to, in a way, go out of my way to, you know, connect with other people that are, you know, are different in a sport and, and, you know, let them know that they belong. And that as long as they, they want to be here and they're playing the game the right way and they got passion for it, uh, you know, they should, they should belong here. Absolutely. All right. So in, in college, you go to college and you play wide receiver. And, and this is something I learned in research. Uh, you actually had a cup of coffee or some attempts to play professional football, either in Canada or with the NFL. I mean, that's pretty good for a division two guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I remember, you know, making the decision I'm going to, I'm going to pursue football after college. And knew that that was not going to be an easy road. Having played D2, there's plenty of you know, high-level D1 athletes. And playing at the level that it, it takes to get you ready to play you know, in the National Football League or, or any professional football league. But my year, when I graduated, uh, was the same year as the NFL lockout. So I was fortunate. I got to go to the Gophers Pro Day. I got to compete in the National uh, Combine put on by the NFL. Uh, I got to do that. It was a non-televised one, so it wasn't the big one. Right. Um, but scouts were there, and there was an opportunity for me to compete. And um, I've get, I was getting a lot of good feedback from my agent that you know, multiple teams were interested, and that they were going to invite me to camp if they didn't take me in the sixth or seventh round. And after the draft, um, I was not selected, so I was hoping for a free agent invite. But there was no rookie camps. There were no OTAs. There were really no events to take place for a, a free agent. So. Uh, a lot of teams went with more veteran players, which is, you know, the right thing to do. I was a, a high-risk player with a potential to turn out. So um, that opportunity closed in the moment. But fortunately, I was drafted by uh, the BC Lions up in Vancouver for the uh, the CFL. Um, so I, I waited as long as I possibly could to sign that contract to, in hopes that the NFL was going to lift the lockout so I could right. go on with that opportunity. Uh, but eventually signed it and, and went up to Canada and, uh, like you said, I had a cup of coffee. I was up there for a week, week and a half, two weeks, and uh, ended up getting released. I had a good camp. I, I really felt like I had a good camp. I was struggling, though, to learn 
you know, some of the intricacies of the rule book of the, of the Canadian League. And Do you mean the right well wide receivers the running towards the line of scrimmage the, as the ball is snapped? Yeah, it'd be hard to <laughs> change, right? It's very different. It's very cool, though. I, I remember being fascinated by it, but I didn't spend... Had I spent the time, uh, you know, the six months prior getting prepared for the, the rules, I think I would have had a much better camp. But that team that I was on... They didn't need me. As much as I would have liked for them to have needed me, they had a really good receivers on the team already, and they went on to win the Grey Cup, which is equivalent to the Super Bowl. So that right. was like getting drafted by a team that just doesn't need you. And had I maybe went to a lesser team, I maybe could have found a way to stick. But it didn't work out, and that door closed. But many other doors uh, have opened since. So as much as I would have liked it to, I'm grateful that it didn't work out. Yeah, so after the uh, career kind of football career comes to an end there, uh, what were your next steps in getting into business or getting into uh, getting into the into the real world? Yeah, that was uh, that was a tough time for me. Uh, I remember being very confused and lost. And what I mean by that is, is a lot of athletes go through this. You get kind of done competing, where you spend so much of your time. And obviously, going to school, but you know going to the weight room, going to the practice field, going to the games, going to the locker room, you know, having all these experiences. And now the only one that was really available for me was, was the weight room. And so I continued to take care of myself physically, uh, but then was looking for what am I going to do professionally? And student loan bills start to roll in. And I've got to start paying that stuff back. And I've got to find a way to you know, find something I'm passionate about or at least find something that you know, I, I can get excited about doing it now. And I was introduced to an opportunity through my good buddy, uh, Hayden Vavra. We played college football at Concordia together. Uh, and he had, you know, kind of stumbled into this uh, health and wellness opportunity uh, and had partnered with a, a, a international company. And so he started to educate me on, hey, here's what I'm doing. This is something that I think you would really like. It's a team feel. It's got all these things that, you know, I think would really be a good fit for you. So I looked at it with me. Uh, my, my wife uh, also looked at it at the time we were, we were just dating. Uh, and we looked at it and we decided, you know, this looks great. We jumped in and we had a ton of fun. We still do it today, uh, but it was it was a great segue for us going from competing, you know, collegiately and high level and pursuing professional to now trying to figure out what am I going to do with the rest of my life. Right. So at some point where hockey had kind of went away, it kind of re-entered. Where, how did it re-enter? Yeah. So... Through Hayden and this new opportunity, um, you know, I, I started to kind of rise up the ranks in the company. And through that, it gave me more opportunity to have a voice and be in the presentation. So there's a lot of, you know, speaking engagements. And I found myself in a role where I was often the, the host. So we have a keynote speaker, which I got opportunities to be the keynote speaker too, but I was more often the host. So I, you know, kind of warm up the crowd, let them know, hey, here's what we're going to be discussing. Here's the things that we're going to go over. And one night, uh, the keynote speaker uh, was Zach Sikich. Uh, Zach, now a good buddy of mine, um, didn't really know him all that well, otherwise, other than he's, he's a goalie guy. He trains right. goalies. He owns a company called Pro Hybrid Training. And, you know, he does a good job. So we get done with this presentation, and, you know, we go and grab pizzas and sodas and, and hang out and kind of, hey, let's get to know each other a little bit more. And through this, he learns that I have a hockey background. And I'm begging them to let me come to one of his goalie, you know, uh, clinics so I can come shoot on the goalies. And he's thinking, I can't have this football guy out here skating on my clinics, and I'll lose a lot of credibility. So he invites me uh, to one of his AAA practices uh, with one of the younger kids, and it's like, hey, come to one of my practices. I just come on and skate; it'll be fun. So I do that. And long story short, he's like, dude, you can play. And I'm like, yeah, I tried to tell you this, but he wouldn't let me you know, come to the goalie stuff. So from there, he's like, well, let's do this. We can keep working on this other stuff we're already working on, but I want you to come coach with me. And it was just perfect timing is really what it was. And I took him up on it, and I learned a lot in terms of mentorship, both hockey and in our health and wellness business. And our relationship with his friends really started to grow. And from there, I met a whole bunch of hockey guys. I met uh, AJ Bettino, who... Uh, is now currently the head coach for the Minnesota Magicians, and he's also the general manager at McKeithy Rooney with Read React Hockey. Uh, yep. Awesome skills trainer. Learned so much from him. So it's to meet all these guys, and before you know it, I'm surrounded by guys that are doing hockey 24-7, and I, I kind of get this itch again, and I'm like, I want to do hockey as much as I can. So I just started asking them for opportunities, and 
before you know it, I, I my my calendar is booked with hockey. I'm training goalies, you know, with Zach. I'm I'm now coaching teams and get an opportunity to go down to Lake Bowl, which I think we'll talk about here in a second, and uh, with AJ and uh, I'm I'm coaching skills trainings with, with Casey, and I'm just all of a sudden in hockey full fledged. Yeah, uh, and at some point along the line here, I don't know, you kind of get your big break in a, in a kind of, in a roundabout way when AJ gets hired at Lakeville South in the kind of mid, like 2013, 14, somewhere in there, he gets hired, and you're, you're in the right place at the right time. That's exactly what it was. It was the right place, right time. Uh, AJ gets hired at Lakeville South. Lakeville, in general, a great hockey community, both north and south, and, and when they were one school, and so I learned that he's taking over at, at Lakeville South, and Zach immediately starts edifying me to AJ because my relationship at this point is much stronger with Zach. So I just don't right. know AJ all that well, but he's telling him, like you got to have Kelvin, like this is the guy you want. And Zach was too busy with all of his other um, things that he had going on to, to fully, you know, commit to it. So AJ, you know, we set up an interview, we we have some conversations, and he gives me a chance, and I am to this day, very and, and forever grateful for him, you know, taking the risk on me who had only been at that time coaching for, you know, less than two years, uh, probably more like a year and a half. And, um, you know, had spent the majority of the last 10, 12 years in football versus hockey. And he, he gave me an opportunity that, again, like I said, I'm very grateful for. So you, you were on his staff uh, for a year or so. Then you went down and coached. You got a head coaching job or co-head coaching job with John Bakke at the Bantam AA. And that team started off slow but really finished strong, made the state tournament. Walk through that 16-17 season where you coached the Lakeville South Bantam AA's, who ended up basically being the state tournament this year, the last two years. A lot of those kids were kids that you coached. Yeah, that was, uh, I have a lot of very fun memories from my times in Lakeville. Uh, you know, the first year as the high school assistant coach with AJ and just learning what is, what is he communicating? What, you know, concepts and systems is he teaching? What are the expectations? You know, learn all that and then get the opportunity to transition and use that information as the Bantam AA coach, which is, you know, now the kids who are going to come and, you know, immediately fill those seats as kids graduate. So, um, you're right. We started off the year and we lost a lot of games and we got beat up really good. We, I remember us having a conversation at the beginning of the year about what our goals were and we really pushed to get the kids to think big and to dream big. And I remember at the parent meeting, I told them, you know, here are my goals for them. I, I want to help them become you know, respectful people in the community. I want to you know, help them value school as much as hockey. And I want to help them win a state championship. And, Everybody looked at me like, well, I mean, they crazy. just a little aggressive coach. Don't, like, who is this guy? You know, like, they're all crazy. And there was one dad in the back who was like, I love it. Perfect. You're the guy I wanted to hear sleep and walk out of the room. That's all you needed. Um, but it was. It was, I was trying to breathe onto everybody. Like, this team's capable of way more than they think. And it's got to be echoed at home. It's got to be echoed in the car rides to and from the rink. We've all got to be operating on the same kind of wavelength. And I intentionally, with John Bakke, because John, great guy, you know, works in schools and assistant principal or dean of students, um, you know, served for many years and still to this day as a ref. So, you know, really get a chance to understand the game from a different perspective. Learned a lot from him in our in our experience that year. Um, but we, we intentionally scheduled any team we could find that would say yes to us in the top 20 in the months of October, November, and December. Anyone wants to play us, we will hand over uh, you know, any team. We dine all the teams that were the best. That's what we wanted to play for you. That's the type of hockey we're going to have to play in February if we want to accomplish the goal. So we took some losses, but we learned a lot, and we got the kids to buy in on the type of hockey they needed to play. And as the season went on, the confidence went up, and you know, a bunch of things kind of fell into place. We competed in that region tournament in District 8, and lost to South St. Paul early in the year, eight or nine zero, and got just destroyed and then beat them uh, in the uh, in the regions and then went on to win the region tournament, went to state. A lot of those South St. Paul kids were ended up being on St. Thomas this year. Remember that? It was like it was a good little team. Oh yeah, that was a very good team. Uh, and yeah, those guys were it was you could tell they're at St. St. Thomas, so they're eventually gonna go there. I think yeah. one or two Kids got plucked in the middle of that season, so that helped our efforts when we played right. them in districts versus when we played them and got beat up. But yeah, very, very talented team. 
So after this, this is where I, I started. I qualify you as a special uh, coaching talent, and there's a reason why. Uh, normally, after taking the Lakeville South Bantam Double A's to state, you most coaches would be getting their resumes ready to coach at the high school level or coach again at Bantam Double A to go, to go back to state. But you go down to Squirt A's. Let's walk through that decision. Not a usual <laughs> path. You went high school Bantam Squirts. And that's the day I went, wait, this guy's coaching squirts? He's a soldier. This guy want, really wants to build a special program here at Lakeville South. And sometimes, you know, a good soldier goes and coaches the squirt A team because that's what's necessary uh, to build a strong program. Absolutely. It's it's unusual, uh, but I don't strive in any aspect of my life. My wife and I both don't strive to live a normal a usual life. We, we, we strive to live a life worth living. And so for us and for me in this situation, uh, the right decision was for me to go and coach that sport group. I knew that with coach Baki choosing to stay with the Bantam team, um, he was as good, if not better than me as a coach. So those guys are going to be in good hands. And that proved to be true. Those kids continue to have success over the next couple of years um, without me. And so I knew those guys will be good. So that really helped me open my heart to what else can I do to add a value to this program and help us build something that people want to be a part of. And when I say be a part of, you know, every community loses kids to other communities, whether it's, uh, you know, they go to a private school or they move, you know, across town for whatever reason. Um, and we knew we've got a special group of, of mites and squirts coming through and we'd like to keep them around. We'd like to just, you know, build relationships with them. So, um, when the opportunity was presented, hey, Kelvin, would you consider the squirts? And I knew those kids and those families from either AAA experiences or, you know, very involved in the summer camps and, and uh, the different training opportunities we offered at Lakeville. I was like, absolutely, I would love to, just knowing the kids and families that I was going to get an opportunity to coach. Unusual, like you said, um, but, you know, very, very worth it in the media and even looking back on it. So that season, I mean, now, now where do you go? You, you coach a, a year of squirts. Uh, where do you head now? How does it, what, what, what are you going to do? The I know, I know where you end up the following season, uh, but how did you, where were you at uh, in September of 2018 before you got the interim job at Shakopee? Yeah. Well, I'd even, I'd even back it up a couple of months before that because okay. There, well, there's a transition. The reason that I, after doing all of this and pouring all this time and energy in Lakeville, why I chose, you know, to spend my time now in Shockey, because I usually could have gone back and, you know, pursued a squirt or a Wee or Bantam coaching opportunity at LHA or in Lakeville. Uh, but at the time, this is when Lakeville, when uh, AJ Bukino chose to accept an opportunity to go be the head coach and general manager for the magician, which was, you know, a tough decision for him based on what you know, he was doing, we were doing with Lakeville, but the right decision because, you know, he, he's so good with that age of kids. He's so good with understanding that. And that's, as you and I have talked about, that's a different lifestyle. And yes. I really think he is, he's built for it. You know, he grew up in that, he grew up out East and prep school and, and junior hockey and whatnot. So he's, he really understands it and does a good job. So he goes and leaves Lakeville and now there's a new head coach which typically is going to need a new philosophy, a new outlook. You know, are, are we going to agree or disagree, all these different things? But I really wanted that head coaching job. There's no doubt in my mind I wanted to be the head coach at Lakeville South. Um, so I applied. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, the opportunity didn't work out. Uh, I didn't even really get a chance to interview. Uh, right. But looking back now, listen, they got a great guy. Oh, when, yeah. When, when, Yanni was, when Yanni was named as the head coach, uh, I mean, it was like, okay. I can at least rest assured knowing that the kids that I spent all this time with are in good hands. They're going to learn good hockey and they're going to be raised to be good men. And that's, that's very important. Yeah. It's kind of like when, when he got the job, you kind of roll your eyes and go, all right, well, I didn't really get screwed there. You know, the guy's yeah. got a great yeah. track record. He really does. Right. And, and I'm three or four, you know, I'm only a couple of years into coaching and high school experience is only as an assistant. So, resume I, I didn't even stand a chance you know and so as much as I was maybe frustrated that the opportunity wasn't given to me I, I was I was very excited for those kids in the community 
And then, like I said, when one door closes, another one opens. And so uh, that's when I was like, okay, what am I going to do next? And I considered a lot of different opportunities. I considered, you know, do I go with AJ to the magicians and, and look at the junior option? Do I go into just skills training and, and jump in with Casey Rooney and just train kids all over the community or all over the Twin Cities? Uh, or, you know, do I take this opportunity that's been nudging at me with Shakti? So because Shakti is my hometown um, and the head coach at Moselle, was reaching out like, hey, I, I got a spot on my staff. Come join, come join, come join. Uh, I eventually decided, you know what, I think it is time for me to take what I've learned over the last 10 years, 12 years, and, and bring it back to my home community and, and get into an active service there. And so now you get to September, I'm an assistant coach, and uh, Ed Loisel starts to uh, you know, have some different health issues going on. And at the same time, his dad's in, in a cancer battle. And right. he's from Duluth, so his dad was up in Duluth. And, you know, you're getting into September, October, November, getting ready for the winter season, which, you know, he's a teacher. So he's going to be teaching all day, and then he's going to have six days a week of, of hockey, Monday through Saturday. If his dad needs him or if there's any reason he needs to be up in Duluth, he's got to step away from the team. And so he just didn't feel good about it. He didn't feel like that would be the right thing to do. He didn't feel like he could be as selfish as he needed to. Which really is not selfish. It's, it's right. the right thing to do for your family. And so he asked me, he's like, if you know, the athletic department will approve it, will you be co-head coach or, or even interim head coach? And it was like, dream come true. Are you kidding me? Like, now I get to be the head coach in the program I grew up in? This is perfect. And so, of course, I said yes. And you know, fast forward then into you know, October, it gets approved and announced to the community that I'd be the interim coach. And off we went. So that first year, you pretty much have the reins to the program. Uh, what was, when you first got there, what was the stamp that you wanted to put on the program? I'm sure one of the, your goals was to take that interim tag next to your name off as fast as possible, but that wasn't going to happen until the season getting over. What did you think you had to do in order to get the trust of the athletic department at Shakopee? That's a good question. Um, you know, I think... I don't know that I really thought about it that way. I think for me it was, I'm in my home community. I've got this opportunity right now. I don't know what the future is going to hold. You know, I thought I was going to be in Lakeville for five, ten years. I thought that we were going to do that. And then all of a sudden, next year, I'm in Shakopee. So it really opened my eyes to, like, right now I just need to really hone in on the moment and really amp up my gratitude. And so I spent the whole year just being grateful for this opportunity to be a head coach and, even if it meant I'm not going to be at Shakti next year, then maybe it'll open up a door for another community where I've now got another year of coaching at the high school level under my under my belt and on my resume. So I just spent that year doing everything I could so that when, if I did end up not getting the job, I could feel really good about the experience and that I could be hopefully turning over the group uh, to another coach that has you know a, a culture instilled that. Well, these kids are going to work hard. They're going to give everything they got, that type of thing, which typically they already had. Uh, but I just, I knew as an alumni of Shakopee, hey, even if I'm not here forever, I'm always going to want this group to be successful. So what can I do this year to make it the best? Yeah, well, you definitely made the most of it. Uh, you must have turned some heads. Uh, you went into an interviewing process uh, after that first season. What was that like to interview for a job that you kind of thought was already yours? It's very, it's very different. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, uh, you, you want to think that you would have just been told, hey, after the year, you did a great job. We want your back or after the year, you know, we're just going to go a different direction and be like, oh. So to go through the interview process after having been the coach, it did feel really weird, but I also understood why they were doing it, you know, because it happened very late into the, you know, right before the season started to get the interim tag. So it's not like I was through a bunch of, you know, other interviews or a bunch of other options with time on their hands. They wanted to make sure they got the right, the right guy in place. And it was, I felt the whole time from the athletic department like they had my support, but they needed to do their due diligence. And I think mostly it was making sure that the rest of, you know, the powers that be, the, the, the principal, the superintendent, and other, you know, key people from the community were in agreement and in alignment that I was the guy they wanted to put all their chips on. So it was awkward. It was definitely a bit weird. It was a lot of uneasy feelings during that time, not knowing. And the biggest detriment, I think, was just, you know, 
customer camp. I didn't get to launch that information until very late. So some people have right. other options and you know, some of those things. But again, in the big picture, uh, I'm just grateful that you know was able to go through all that and come out on the other side, still the coach in the community that I want to be coaching. So uh, this past season, you're the head coach. Uh, you get to pick your staff. You get to set the vision. You get to do everything. Who are the who are the coaches that you chose to be on your staff? And and give me some of the background on why they were chosen. That's a great question. I'm glad you asked that. So uh, first was Jeff Weather. Jeff has been with the program for the last handful of years, five, six, seven years, coaching both junior varsity or varsity as an assistant. Uh, he's the only coach that I brought back that was you know on the staff before I got involved. Uh, him and I hit it off from a personality standpoint. Uh, we could you know hang out and go golf or, or go get together right now uh, and just have a good time. So, from a, like I said, from a personality standpoint, it was just a click. And then on the ice, he brings a ton of value. He's great with the forwards. He runs a bench as good as anybody. Um, so having him was, was great for that reason. And he tied into that kind of gap where I didn't know a lot of the alumni. All the, the time that I was playing football and doing other things, I was a bit removed where he has relationships with those kids. Um, the next coach uh, was Chris Boydell. Mm-hmm. Big, big name, big, big, big influence. And what big heart. going on right now. Right. And a huge heart. I mean, that's, the guy is so selfless, almost, almost to a detriment to himself. Constantly thinking about everybody else. Uh, very grateful uh, to have number one met him and have an opportunity to work with him. It's crazy to think that he's my assistant coach, considering he's been coaching for 25 plus years at all levels and has worked with you know guys playing pro and guys you know going to national development camps and all these different things. Uh, but yeah, like I said, it's been awesome to have him involved because from a skill standpoint, from a you know, taking care of people, from building relationships, from a culture standpoint, uh, there's almost nobody better. We talked uh, a term before we turned the recorder on um, called winning the lobby. If you're going to win the lobby, Chris Boydell is the first guy you go to the lobby with, don't you? Absolutely. Yeah, he's um, he's a talker. That's how he would word it. He, he loves to communicate. Um, you know, if he's thinking it, he'll tell you. If it's going on, he'll, he'll share it immediately. He has no fear walking up, striking a conversation, you know, shaking a hand, introducing himself. Uh, the concept of winning the lobby is, is so valuable, especially in hockey, because everybody talks, everybody has opinions, rumors fly, and if you just kind of you know, sneak in the rink, sneak out of the rink, you don't get an opportunity to really either A, understand what's going on or what people are talking about, and B, you know, set the record straight or let them hear directly from the source. And, and Chris has no fear in that stuff, and that's you know one of the many values he brings. Well, that's just, that's just one of the values Chris brings, but, I mean, talk about on-ice grind. This guy, I, I, it seems like any time I'm ever at Bloomington Ice Garden when it's open, um, uh, I'll be out there, and there's Chris. I'll be setting up for a tournament. There's Chris with six kids, ten kids, with his little MPH crew that he started, you know, after he left Minnesota Made. And he's just a – he's hard on the kids but he's extremely loving to the kids. When I mean hard, like he's pushing these kids to get better and every minute on the ice with him counts. Can you imagine the value that brings to you uh, as a coaching staff? A, he's great with skills and B, he's going to be pushing these kids at all times. It's, it's, it's hard to even quantify. I mean, he, he puts in so many hours, 53 years old. He, I mean, just this past winter, for example, he was still, you know, fulfilling the commitments to the, the kids that he had committed to in terms of training for the winter because he was a late add to the, to the roster as far as coaching. Um, I had to do a lot of uh, convincing, if you will, that he does belong at the high school level. For whatever reason, he felt like, I just click better with the younger kids. He kept saying, I just think yeah, I'm, I'm better with the younger kids. And I was like, Chris, you will be so good, especially in the assistant role. You can just show up and do what you want, have some shin pads, you know, teach them the skills, have those, you know, less threatening conversations. Right. Uh, but he would go in the morning. He'd wake up most days at four in the morning. He'd have some morning clinic, whether it was with one of his small groups or MPH, or, you know, he was, you know, working with kids even from other high schools. Cause we had committed to it. Charlie Strammel at that Bullsmount. Right. You know, he was training him two to three times in a morning or two to three times a week in the morning. And, you know, then we'd play Rosemont in a conference game. And of course, Chris was like, yeah, I was on the ice with him this morning. But again, the weird thing there is he had, he had already committed. So it was, to me, I was like, 
I get it. You're, you're doing the right thing by people. I'm just grateful that, you know, you're able to find time to go in the morning with those guys in the afternoon with us. And then and then imagine all the other things he's got going on uh, with our MTH program. Um, so as you build this staff, um, one of the things you need to do to get out of section two double a is build a culture, build a program. Let's walk through some of the, uh, talking points that you have for building, uh, the shock program to be the top team in two double a someday. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a really good question. It's a great, great section. As you know, um, tons of talent. Uh, you know, the biggest thing I think that collectively we've had to improve over the last couple of years, and we've made some good strides in it, is our ability to skate, you know, maneuver and handle the puck at the speed and, and, and make the decisions uh, with, the, with the quickness and accuracy that it needs to be made you know, to compete at that level. You've got teams with really experienced coaches, you know, Lee Smith over in Eden Prairie, Joel Pankratz over at Prairie Lake, and guys that have been doing it for a long time have a ton of success. Uh, you know, Sean Goldsbury over at Minnetonka, I mean, walk into a section meeting and I'm like, how, how, do, I, how do I fit in here? These guys are really good. Um, but well, the, the really cool thing. The neat part, neat part about that is that Lee Smith tells a story in his podcast how he walked in a room with Willard Eichela and Tom Satterdon. So you'll be there someday. It's just going to take some time, right? Amen. Amen. Yeah, I was, I was listening to this podcast, uh, and I was, I was good. And it, it, it feels probably like that. And I, it was actually humbling to hear that because, you know, I look at him and I'm like, God, how does he, you know, how do I get to that? And he was, he was in this, this seat at one point, too. So, you know, see the question. We had a we had a really tough game with him this year. I'm very proud. Oh man, did you ever this year? And, and he was he was very complimentative after, and I appreciated him, you know, saying that because he could have just left it off, like you know, his buddies didn't play good. But he gets a lot of credit in the way that we competed, and they were definitely more skilled than us. And my guys don't take any offense to that. They understand, you know, playing against a, guy, a bunch of guys that played hockey 12 months out of the year, and they're really good and whatnot. But when the game was was played. Um, after two periods, it was two to two, and you could tell Aiden Prairie was was nervous and that they uh, didn't see it coming. They probably underestimated the team a bit about what we could do based on our record and the history of Shakopee hockey. But um, we battled. I'll never forget now when uh, uh, they scored their goal ahead goal. The way they celebrated that goal, you knew that they were nervous. And they also knew that at that moment they were probably pulling away and that we weren't going to be able to catch up. But, but that yeah, fun, tells fun you something, right? That, I think it does. It tells you something. Give me a couple more years and we're going to do more than just scare you, right? And, you know, we're, we're doing it with, you know, good kids. And that's what's most exciting about our Shakti program. We've got a lot of athletes, kids that play multiple sports, kids that do other things. You know, our lacrosse team is really good. And we've got a lot of lacrosse players in the room. Uh, we've got a couple of football players, one that's the quarterback of the team. You know, we've got kids that play soccer, kids that play baseball. So you know, we've got all these multi-sport athletes. Um, but a lot of the guys that, you know, have been impact players as of late have been really young, you know, and they've been, playing at levels that they previously hadn't been. Um, so, you know, the future looks really good. And then, you know, when you start to talk about the youth program, that is, you know, it's, it's really no secret at this point. That is shocking. Crown Jewel, we've got a lot of really talented kids that just haven't chose to, to leave. They've stuck around. And, and that's been one of the biggest hurdles that we've had to battle is, you know, getting the best kids in Shakopee to, to stay and choose to play Shakopee all the way through their career. Well, it's great. You're getting, you know, kids to come back from whatever Minnesota made or from Chaska or whatever. But on top of that, you could kill like Dalen Klein, for example. He's a Bloomington kid who's now playing in Shakopee. Uh, how does that feel that you're getting a really athletic kid like Dalen to come to play in the youth system and hopefully someday play for you at, at the high school level? I'll tell you what, it's very, very exciting for multiple reasons. Number one, Dalen's a good kid. He's a really good kid. He, he shakes your hand, looks you in the eye, you know, he smiles, he works his tail off. Um, and for a kid like that to, you know, obviously they moved, they, they chose the community to move and they left Bloomington. Yep. My understanding is, you know, he's a breakaway academy kid, so he was considering anything in that area, even for HS, they can't have to be, um, to be For Shakopee to be the chosen community, with those other ones mentioned, uh, from a hockey standpoint, that's that's big news. And I think really why it's so exciting 
is because it does two things. Number one, it encourages the kids who are already in our program, who are already really good and are working hard to get better, to stick around. There's some proof here that other yep. kids are looking and choosing to come over. Um, and then it's been encouraging other kids who have been, you know, in other options, like you said, Minnesota made or, or choosing other experiences to come back and be a part of Shakopee. As the saying goes, if you build it, they will come. Uh, and I think that we're starting to see that now that we've got this you know, beautiful new high school, beautiful new rink with two sheets. Uh, you know, it, it's it's starting to happen. It's really fun to watch. Well, it's beyond just building it. It's 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 almost like, you know, you, you see these up and coming pro. You know, a little bit like the Gopher football program. You want to go to something that's going to kind of build something into something special, and you can kind of feel it watching your Peewees this past year. Your Peewees next year will be lights out, one of the best five teams in the state, and that's it's exciting to be a part of that. And then you you know blink your eyes, those kids will be playing for your high school team. Yeah, that's that's the hope, and and yeah, we've you know we've had a a really good peewee team last this last year, and we did really good. We've got a lot of good teams in the program. You know, last the two years ago, the score team had a lot of success. Um, our band on A team this past year did really well. We chose not to play them at Double A um, for multiple you know, factors. Right. Uh, we, we pulled a couple of freshmen up the last few years, which I'm sure if we want, we can get into the conversation. Yeah, about we could. In high school or not? Yep. Um, but, you know, it, it, we've had these good teams, and this Peewee team was, you know, a, a touch more special in the sense that they really had some talented players do some special things, and they're likely to do that again next year if everybody chooses to come back and, and keep playing. That's been really cool to see because, like I said, typically, you know, guys have started to, okay, I'm going to go to this program or go to that program or I'm going to stay at Minnesota Made until, you know, I have to leave it. And guys are coming back and sticking around and, Shakopee is full of athletes. You look at our wrestling program, I mean, complete champions. They win all the time. You look at our basketball program, you know, they win all the time. You look at, you know, some of these other programs, it's, you know, trending in the right direction. Now right. hockey is starting to move that way in the youth. And if everybody, you know, chooses to stay, there's a good chance that, you know, we'll have an opportunity to compete for championships as well. That's exciting. Uh, what's it like being kind of the focal point or the face of Shakopee hockey? Is a lot of pressure there? You know, I suppose when you put it that way, I guess maybe it is, but I, I, I don't feel it. No, I feel a lot of support. I feel, um, you know, like we've got a community that knows we've got something going on in terms of the, the feel and, and, and the kids and the families that are there. Um, you know, I don't. I don't really feel the pressure. Even like from the athletic department, uh, they're not pressuring me to win. It's not all about winning, which is great, and that's one of the things that really attracts me about the whole situation. It's, it's about building quality people. It's about giving a great experience. It's about helping these kids learn life lessons that is going to take them beyond the game of hockey. And in the process, I mean, I'm as competitive as anyone. Yeah. Of course, we want to win games too. Um, that's very important. And I we talk about it all the time. Um, but not to the point that we want to win and then lose ourselves in all these other avenues in the process. You spoke a minute ago about the athletic director and, and the focal point of the program. Um, it's not where, you know, your record the first two years is below 500 and a quarterfinal loss. Um, does the athletic department, do people at the, sh at the school understand what a big hill it is to climb in Section 2 AA and, and even in the South Suburban Conference to some degree? Yeah, yeah, uh, that's been uh, one of the best parts too. Is they get it, you know. Matt Hanson, the athletic director, is a hockey guy. He's, he's coached, he's played, he understands the game, which is a bit different for for Shakopee. We haven't had an athletic director, at least when I grew up there, and, and and maybe before, but we just haven't really had a guy that really understands the game like he does. So he gets it. He knows a lot of the families in the in the community that play hockey too. Um, and even his nephew uh, is, is in our youth program. So he's aware of all that. And he knows it's it's a big, big job in the interview process that was communicated. And, you know, I told him, listen, I'm an alumni. So I, really, I want to be here for the long haul. If I could be here for 10 to 20 years coaching, um, that would be a dream come true in a perfect situation. I also know that, you know, high school coaching you know, contracts are one year at a time. We get right. a 10 year contract. And there's, so every year is, you know, basically an interview year for me, and I try and do the right things to make sure that you know I get the opportunity to come back. But regardless of if it's 
you know, two years or 10 years, uh, I'll always be an alumni Shakti. So my goal here is that when it is time for me to, to step away or my time is up with Shakti, I just want to leave the program in a better place than I found it and, and turn it over to whoever takes over next. Um, you know, and hopefully what is a, a program that is closer to competing for championships than it ever has been. Well, it's it's definitely an uphill climb, but not uh, unreachable. That's for sure. Uh, with with shock, be happy, hockey. Um, any final thoughts on on what you your your plans are for for the program or for your future in coaching? Yeah. Um, well, it's, for me, it's about relationships. You know, it's about taking care of people. It's about you know, doing the right thing and doing good by people. So. Uh, I think as long as, you know, myself and, and the rest of the coaches, whether it's at the high school level or youth program, as long as we stay in alignment on that, uh, a lot of good things are going to happen. You know, we, we have a value system. Uh, our core values are based off the acronym PRIDE, uh, P-R-I-D-E. So we talk a lot about those five words, which are passion, respect, integrity, discipline, and energy. And, you know, I, we talk about passion being, you know, if you're, if you're playing the game of hockey because you love it, then you're in the right place. If you're playing it because you have to or because mom and dad want you to, um, it's just it's going to be a tough game for you. And if you're doing things out of love and out of passion, you're typically going to show up and be your best. You know, we talk about respect, and respect you know, typically goes without saying, but you know, the best times to teach respect are when things aren't going your way. And so from a high school standpoint, you know, we're losing more games than we're winning right now or in the last two years, and you know, we're, we're taking a lot of bumps and bruises, but we're learning a lot about what it means to be a respectful person, a respectful athlete. You know, you, you, you get, you know, you give up a bunch of goals and lose a, a game embarrassingly at home, and then you got to go through the, the handshake line. And, you know, we pride ourselves on looking everybody in the eye and telling them good game or good compete or, you know, good luck next game and, and having those conversations. And one thing we do after a game, we typically highlight a youth program during the game, and then we invite that team into the locker room after the game. So you lose a game, last thing the boys want to do is, is you know, put a smile on their face and, and talk about the, the values of being a high school hockey player and shock people, but they do it. You know, they, they got to get over themselves and they, you know, go through the process of inviting the kids in the room and integrity and all these things are, I can go on and on, huh? integrity and discipline and energy. The energy one's big for me. It's about your aura. It's about, you know, when you walk in the room, you're either you know, picking people up, you know, with, with the words you're saying, with the action you're doing, or you're, you're pulling them down. And so we've, we constantly talk about be mindful of your energy. It's not just how hard you work. Right. It's about, you know, how you make people feel. And you should be able to go to sleep every night saying to yourself, I filled up a bunch of people's emotional tanks. I helped a bunch of people today. And I really feel good about, you know, what I did today. Because, you know, the big picture is, you know, tomorrow's not promised. Every day is a, is a blessing and a gift. And we want to make the most of it. Yeah, well, I uh, really appreciate your time. I'm glad we got to know each other a little bit better. I knew when you got the interim tag uh, white-outed next to your name that uh, Shakopee Hockey was in good hands. I'm really excited to see what the future brings for not just for you, but for the entire community, hockey community of Shakopee. Well, Tony, I appreciate it. I'm really grateful for the opportunity to be on the show and for everything that you're doing for for hockey and, and both the youth and high school and, and, and all the ranks. And I uh, just really, really appreciate this opportunity. So thank you. Well, Calvin today will get a gift from the Minnesotan sent to him. Thanks to the Minnesotan again for their sponsor of today's show. Make sure to stop in and check it out. My good friend, John King says it's the best store in the world. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope to see you around the rink soon. Love is a burning thing